Welcome to One More Thing Before You Go. How do you overcome what life has thrown at you in an early age? How do you find love after a negative relationship? How do you persevere when you are presented with challenges of having a baby born with challenges? We're going to answer these questions and more when we talk to a mom, wife, and empath who has experienced more than anyone should have during her lifetime, but moved it forward in a positive way that helps others. My name is Michael Hurst, and this is That Thing About Having a Resilient Heart. My guest today is Gabby Garland, a mother of two, a wife, a relationship coach, and a podcast host for the Resilient Host Podcast, who has overcome the many obstacles thrown at her path in order to inspire and move others forward in their life. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. I'm so happy that we're doing this. Um, it's, I am excited about learning your journey. I think that uh, you have a lot to share with people, and I think that you've got an opportunity to inspire people with what you've overcome and where you've got in life. Um, so where'd you grow up? Um, I grew up in a little tiny town in New Mexico. Um, I think it's bigger now and it's 1800 people. So that gives you an idea of how small of a town it was. I have a really big family. And so I grew up um, very much with surrounded by aunts and uncles and cousins and, and all of that, but I'm also adopted. So I have uh, the family that I grew up with. And then I have my birth mom who I have a relationship with and my birth brother. So I have lots and lots and lots of family. So, which is oh, amazing. I love it. Family's great. Family's yeah. good. It's always nice to have family, especially coming from an environment where you were adopted to be able to, to have uh, some blood relationship come back into your life. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's cool. It's very cool. Yeah. the I even experienced that myself, but I, I have an uncle that was adopted. Mm-hmm by my grandparents and i've always known him as uncle he was always you know it wasn't well you're not really my uncle but he really was my great uncle and his kids are my cousins and that's just the way it goes yeah that's always it's it's cool to see how many different adoption stories that you get to hear and and you know unfortunately the the bad ones make the news but the good ones are the ones you want to hear more about absolutely so you became a mother at 21. Yeah. I was pregnant at 20, um, had my daughter a month after my 21st birthday. So um, life got very uh, challenging <laughs> at a pretty young age. <laughs> yeah, it kind of um, it kind of opened your eyes. My, uh, my wife was actually 20 years old. Just she actually, she wasn't legally able to drink at our reception oh wow because there's 21 in colorado we get married in colorado so um it was kind of one of those things where do does she does she it was a room full of cops because i'm a cop (laughs) so she doesn't everybody said shut the doors it's all good right (laughs) how funny um but yeah she turned 21 just a few months after we got married actually wow so what tell me about that journey Having a baby at 21. So the relationship that I was in at the time was one I had zero business being in, to be honest with you. I was very um, kind of lived, if I'm like a very sheltered environment. I had a really good job. I dropped out of high school and I got my GED um, before my friends had all graduated. And so I moved into, they call it town, which is like 40 minutes away um, outside of our small town. It's like the major city in New Mexico. 
and was working for AOL and making friends. And I ended up meeting this guy online and that's, that was her father. And I didn't know him. I didn't even, I'd never even seen, even seen a picture of him when I actually flew there to meet him for the first time. This would absolutely terrify me as a mother of a daughter. Like how insane, this is how people end up on the news. Like this was not a good decision. Um, and I didn't understand his background. I didn't do the research and he had a violent background. I mean, he had uh, an assault uh, charge where he beat somebody with a pipe and he was on, you know, probation or I don't even, it's been so many years now. He was gone. He's been gone for 15, almost 16 years. And um, I was in love with him. I was convinced I was in love with him. I think looking back at it now, I was really just trying to get away from some things that were going on within my own family. And he was kind of the out of my town that I uh, attached myself to. But my daughter and I grew up together. I mean, we really, uh, I left him when I was pregnant. So I was nine months pregnant. He threatened to kill me. Uh, I called my dad who was at my brother's high school graduation or college graduation. And he got on a plane from California, flew to Florida, I had bagged all my things. He was he had left the house and I started on a journey home to have my daughter and I was super pregnant. I we got back to New Mexico and I had her 48 with less than 48 hours later. So it was very um, it was very wild. I mean, he came he flew down for her to be born and there was security at the hospital. He wasn't really allowed to be with her by himself. Like it was as hard as it was to be a 21 year old new mother, these other pieces to it made it really stole a lot of the joy. And so uh, I really had to kind of take away those pieces and just really soak in her because she was so beautiful and she was so perfect. And I wasn't able to do all the things uh, that I wanted to, as far as like prenatal care, but that was my girl. And so uh, navigating that with her and, and seeing her now and the incredible woman that she's become is is wild, but it's fulfilling because it's like I made the right decision to to do what I did and to be where we are now. So it's wild. Yeah, kudos, <laughs> apps, You know, and it, those relationships are hard to leave. Mm-hmm. So you being twenty one and being able to walk away from that and get some help from your your family, which is um, like a, a wonderful thing. I was a, I was part of a team of a domestic violence investigator team. So domestic violence response team right. um, when I was in, on the job. And um, I, I uh, applaud you for taking that opportunity because there's a lot of individuals or in fact, unfortunately, most individuals in that position don't have the strength or the opportunity to do that. So well done. Yeah, it was what I mean, unfortunately, I would love to say that that was the end of it. And I never went back and all of that. But it was that, you know, you're kind of ingrained, at least it, um, within my family is like faith is really important. And you don't have babies out of wedlock. And it's, you know, um, at the church, the priest told me my baby was an abomination. And he didn't really want to coach, you know, uh, give me any advice about the position that I was in. And so there was a ton of shame around that uh, life and the decision that I made. But you know, him passing away when she was four, if I'm honest, was the biggest blessing of our life because we were able to be safe and happy and not worry about anything anymore and just really get to thrive together, which is something that we struggled with before that. Yeah, and that's kind of unfortunate. In reality, I think that the the religious community, unfortunately, when they're supposed to be there, aren't always there. 
you know, they kind of forget that uh, people are human beings and that life moves forward. And so um, I'm glad that you were able to move on and move forward. And you've made some positive impacts on your life, your daughter's life and and continue to do that, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think in some of your uh, stuff that you sent to me, you had launched a direct sales business. Yeah, I did. So part, I mean, I feel like it's this piece of my story is, is pretty typical as far as single moms and how we struggle financially. And I ended up starting a direct sales business in 2013. And it was really just because I was broke. Like I had a job that paid around $35,000 a year and I had about $60,000 in debt. And so when you look at that, you realize, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to get out of um, that making the money that I was making. And so I started this business. I had no idea what I was doing. I made an absolute mess, uh, but I was really successful. I earned six figures. I got to the top 1% of the company. Uh, I earned $25,000 and get out of debt bonus money. And I just kind of ran with it. And I ended up resigning from that position and, and moving on to the company that I'm with now. But that business was life-changing for me uh, financially, but it was also just kind of in my life in general because I had struggled for so many years and it was an opportunity for me to make really great money, which allowed me to get some of my self-esteem back and to really like pay off my debt and to feel good about that accomplishment. And it led me to my husband, which changed everything anyway. So it was such a blessing. Yeah, and it's tough being a single parent, a single mother. Oh gosh, it's so hard. It is literally, yeah. it's so hard. And my parents divorced at a very, when I was really young. So my mother raised us. And um, so I understand it from that perspective, from from being the child within that right. environment and watching my mother struggle and watching her, you know, get emotional every time we'd say, hey, can I have this? And, you know, they got to say, no, not, you know, I can't quite get that. I understand it now. Right. You know, looking back on it, it, it's, but when you're in it, you know, it's kind of difficult. And, and you know, I think in a, just like COVID, not to offshoot this, but, you know, COVID, watching the people struggle that have been out of work and unemployed and losing their places to live and, and stuff. I just talked to somebody who recently was, he was, they were getting evicted because they hadn't been able to pay their rent because they haven't been able to work. And, He's got kids and he's going, I just don't know what to do and where to turn. And I did not have the answers I could give him, which maybe it, it's, it's just difficult. Yeah, just it's, such difficult. A, it's hard to see that. I mean, like there was an article that popped up here, local news, that was uh, what to do if you've been served eviction um, paperwork in the city. And I've been that girl before. I mean, I've been evicted more than once when we were really struggling. And that's heartbreaking you know there it wasn't during a pandemic it was just life but uh, it's hot it's awful to see to go through it myself and to see other people go through that um now that i'm on the other side of it, it just breaks my heart if if i had the money i would just pay for everybody's housing so they never had that problem because i remember that feeling and how how awful it was for me you found love at 38 i did we i was actually technically 35 i think he was 38 and he's almost four years older than me. So I was like 34, 35. Um, I had kind of sworn off relationships, sworn off love. I was done. And I took my daughter. We were in a really great place financially. And I wanted to take my daughter on a vacation with her girlfriends. And we were living in New Mexico at the time. And we decided that we were going to take a trip to Denver. 
Denver's always been a favorite city for us. It's in driving distance. So it's, you know, we don't have to get on a plane. And so she and her two best friends, we went up to Denver and had like a four day weekend and they had their own room across the hall at the Crown Plaza. I had a suite. Um, I was working my business at the time too, but you know, we had the most incredible weekend and it was one of those moments where I was like, I'm actually okay if this is all that it is. And the girls were so concerned with whether or not I was going to be, you know, single forever because, you know, I, they've been my girls, my daughter's girls for years. And it was their concern for me to be alone. That sparked me to like, I had had a couple of drinks. Um, the girls were asleep and I was up working and I was like, I'm just going to like download this app, see what it's about. And I didn't remember doing it. I did it and I just kind of put it away. I didn't put pictures. I just put a little bit of of a profile and put it away. And, you know, they get send you those messages. So-and-so found love on blah, 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 so-and-so. And And I'm like, screw so-and-so. Like, I was just like, I don't want to hear it. And then curiosity got the best of me. And I downloaded the app again and put pictures. And I met my husband within 24 hours of that. And what I did different then than I had done all the other times I'd done online dating because I was kind of a serial online dater at the time was I actually did a search. I was like, I know that I don't want somebody that has children because I had been through so many relationships where I was really much more in love with the person's child than I was them and all the messy baby mama stuff. And I was like, I just don't want to do that. And I did the search for, for my future and searched it pushed search, it popped up and there was three pictures across and his was the upper right hand corner. And I was like, that's my husband. I just, I heard it in the back of my head. It's probably crazy to say it, but, um, and less than two years later he was so wild. That's fantastic. When did that happen? That happened in June of 2014. Cause we'll be three years married in November and six years since we met, we, he came out to, uh, to visit me 12 days after we started talking that first conversation. He flew out to visit. And yeah, that's pretty much, of course, it's kind of a, since I had to make a, I had to make an AO, AOL reference, almost like a, you've got mail. Oh my God. In Seattle. Like they talk, you know, like you slid into the DMs or whatever, you know, people say like different little taglines and I totally did. Like I sent him a message, I, his picture popped up and I was like, that's him. Sent him a message. He responded right back. We ended up getting on the phone that night and we ended up talking for five hours, I think. And that was kind of be the beginning of what's become our life together. That's amazing. Yeah, That's amazing. it was. So what was your, uh, what was your top of the uh, Empire State Building moment with him? With him? Yeah. Um, probably when he proposed. I think like we... Oh, there's two. Because when you propose, like I had been, I was technically engaged to my daughter's father, but the, the extent of the proposal was he literally tossed the ring across the bed at me. I was super pregnant and he was like, here, we got to get it sized. Like that was literally all he said. And I remember thinking my 20 year old self, this is not what Disney movies are made about because I remember thinking, you know, little girls, we dream about that stuff. Or at least most of us do. And, um, I had never, I, and that was my only other experience. And then when my husband uh, proposed to me, like it was all of the emotions and all of the tears and all the happiness, all the things that I had dreamed about and prayed for, for so many years. And, um, that was incredible. But I think 
for me, it was our first date. Like he got off the plane and he's a barbecue guy and I love to eat too. So it was like, I'm going to take him to my favorite barbecue place. And I remember sitting across from him and thinking like, yeah, this is it. Like I just, I, in my heart, I knew it. Um, yeah. Like so too. It, it's amazing that people don't, you know, people think that um, love at first sight's a cliche. No, I know. But it, it is. It isn't a cliche. I met my current wife. I uh, I say current because I I was married previous to this. My okay. present wife, but um, I met her. Uh, I, we got off shift and we used to go to Village Inn and uh, for coffee and breakfast or coffee and late night dinner or something. Okay. After I got off shift, and the first time I saw her when we walked into Village Inn, I told the told my partner. I said. That's my wife, right there. I love that guys say it too. Yeah, I said that's my wife, and he said, "Well, yeah, no, she's out of your league." You know, they play that game, it's right? Like, nope. Well, obviously, he stood uh, as part of my groomsman uh, when we got married. So it's like, take that, Joe. Right. Um, but uh, we're married. Uh, we're going to be thirty-one years married this September. Wow. Or well, t- this month. <laughs> That's so awesome. I can't say this September. We're already in September. Yeah, should... which is crazy. I feel like this pandemic has put us in like this twilight zone of what month, what day, what week it is. It's it. Luckily, my wife works from home. Okay. I know there's stories about you, but this is my wife. Well, she's working from home now because of this oh, um, yeah. COVID stuff. They and she's been home since March. The end of oh April, first part of April. Okay. So April, May, June, July, and and the dog loves it. Oh, I'm you know, sure. I love it. We have lunch every day. Mm-hmm. You know, we sit down and watch American Dad and for lunchtime. And you know, her commute is fantastic. It's thirty seconds from. <laughs> <laughs> there you know, it works great. But on the other end of it, um, we, uh, our oldest daughter's married, but we consider our son-in-law one of the kids. Okay. All three of our kids lost jobs during that time period. And, you know, they went for months and months. And um, two of them are in the entertainment industry. And obviously, that's just now starting to get back up and running. So they're just now starting to get work. Our youngest, we had to move her from Tennessee to California, where she finally got a job. Um, And she actually, luckily, how things work out and the universe plays out, as the unemployment insurance was running out, she got a job offer in California. So, oh, wow. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Worked out really well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the COVID stuff, it just time, time is almost, it's Friday, going to be Friday already. It's another week has passed. It's in mm-hmm. September. And I did remember that September is my anniversary. So, that's good. You don't I want to get in trouble for that one. We don't like that. No. But I, <laughs> I did remember that. I did remember. I just didn't know we were in the month of September. Yeah, it feels like it feels it does feel like a twilight zone. It really does. So part of your journey, um, you have a son and Mm -hmm. he was born with some heart defects. Yes, he. So we 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 got so we got married in November of 2017. We got pregnant pretty much immediately. And we unfortunately um, lost the first baby that we had um, at 16 weeks. And so we kind of just took that time to heal and spend time together and, and kind of just see when we would be able to have a baby. And we ended up getting pregnant again really quickly. So we got pregnant again in July 
and we had baby Lenny uh, March of 2019. And we found out at 20 weeks that he had several heart defects, uh, all of which would require minimum of two, possibly three or four heart surgeries. And so navigating that was really tough. I didn't process a lot of it when we were in the meeting. I pretty much just cried to the point that I couldn't breathe um, because you just like, it was one of those moments where I'd waited my whole life to have that like amazing man who's like, you know, going and buying you pickles and ice cream and all of the things that, that you want. And I waited for that. And so finally getting that, having this incredible husband that I just love so much and then having to go through that, I was like, I was really pissed off. You know, it was coming off of the loss of, of the, uh, we call the baby rainbow. We caused coming off the loss of rainbow and then getting pregnant with baby Lenny. And then it was like, there was issues and it was really, I was really pissed. Uh, and so going through all of that, I had tons of health issues. I was taking a blood thinner. So I had to give myself shot twice, twi- shots twice a day. Um, it's just, it was just, there was so much with that, uh, that was, it was hard to keep the joy, but I was still really excited for him. And so it was probably that first year of his life was the hardest, one of the hardest years of my life. And it was definitely very difficult on our marriage. He was working full time. My business at that particular time, I had resigned from the company I was with. I wasn't making the income that I was accustomed to. And I was home with the baby because we, he was in a place where he couldn't, uh, if he were to get sick, we would have to postpone surgeries. And he was at in the heart failure category. And so him getting a, the sniffles or the flu or a cold was not an option. And so I kind of I learned how to quarantine then. And so this is, while I don't love it, we did this before because we needed that for his safety. And so this is just kind of an extension of that. And he is, um, while having two heart surgeries, he's meeting, he's meeting so many of the benchmarks for babies his age, and he's doing so many incredible things. And, and um, he's so resilient. Like that's when I picked the name for my podcast, Resilient kept resonating with me. And it's for my daughter and for my son. And for myself too, but he is, he's like this little baby tank and this just like pure sunshine and sass. And he's so, yeah, he's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. It's gotta be tough for a parent to, when, when you're faced with that, especially a, a baby, you know, that you can, when you get your grandfather or your father or your mother or something and they have to have heart issues, it's kind of almost expected at some right. Not, not not in every case, but I mean, you, you have always have a, an expectation. Oh, but. yeah. And people don't talk about that. Like, you know, everybody always says, oh, you know, as long as the baby's healthy, you know, because ask, oh, is it a boy or a girl? Do you want a boy or a girl? And people are like, well, as long as they're healthy. And, you know, now, and I remember saying that to people. And now that I've been in this space, I won't say that to anybody anymore because it was like a dagger any time anybody said that. It's like, what happens if they're not? Because he was healthy-ish, but he wasn't fully healthy and he'll never have a normal heart unless he were to get a brand new donor heart, which he at this point doesn't need. But uh, yeah, it, it's, a, there's all kinds of craziness wrapped up in that one. Yeah. I can imagine. I mean, yeah. and obviously you said he's doing really well though. Oh my gosh. He's doing so great. He just started walking about two weeks ago. He does PT. He's done PT pretty much since he was born about, he got his first surgery three weeks at three weeks. And so once he was healed, ish, we started PT. And so he's been taking doing PT every other week since since he was born pretty much. And so 
he hit that big benchmark. And, you know, there's always going to be certain things that he will be delayed on because he had that time in the beginning where babies get to just be babies and he went through two surgeries. And so there are some delays and, and those type of things, but being able to work from home, run a business from home and, and be able to afford the things that he needs is like the most incredible blessing because we're pouring as much as we possibly can into him so that what the things that, that are a struggle for him, we're, we're working on overcoming them and not making that be a hindrance for him or for his life or for his future. Well, and that's, I mean, family, that goes back to family. What we were talking about at the beginning of this is that he's got a really good family and that's outstanding, obviously, because yeah. there are people that walk away from that, unfortunately. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, a, uh, you know, um, you'll find that this, I have an, I have an honest and open podcast. I, I have conversations that we, I don't, I tell the, I tell reality of what mm-hmm. can happen. So, um, What's it like being a mom at 40? Not to be rude. Oh, no. You can tell. we They refer to me as a geriatric pregnant lady or a geriatric uh, mother. Um, it is completely 100% different. And I think with my daughter, because I just had no freaking clue what was going on. I didn't know how to be a mom. I didn't know what I was doing. And we kind of just learned as we grew. This is a different way because I'm learning how to raise a child with somebody. And I definitely because I had done all of the decisions and all of the raising and my parents, you know, were there and family was there, but she, she was mine. And so I would like, even if I'm talking about baby Lenny, I, I say, Oh, my son. And I say, Oh, our son. Like I have to mentally, even he's, you know, 17 months old. I still have to do that because I was so ingrained in the mindset of a single mom to be a happily married mom with a really incredible husband and have a baby with him. Um, it's exhausting. I'm way more tired at 40 than I was at 21. Um, things don't snap back like they did at 21, which is unfortunate as well. Um, but he is, because I waited so long to have another baby, I soak him up, like just pick him up all day long and kiss him and kiss him and kiss him. So he is, he gets tons and tons and tons of love all day long. That's what they're supposed to get. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So you, what inspired you to be a relationship coach? Really, it was doing things the wrong way um, from relationships within my own uh, life, romantic relationships, friendships, um, relationships with siblings and all of those things. It really began to resonate with me when I started to build a business and realize how important relationships are and how relationships affect everything, whether it's a business relationship, a marriage, a friendship, parent, uh, parent, child relationship, everything stems from healthy relationships and the relationship piece for me, I took way too many classes on this. I spent way too much money on this. I spent years and years and years in counseling and with coaching um, to learn how to build relationships in a genuine way. And I love to see women doing really well in business. I, not that I don't like to see men do well too, um, but I will say that probably more of my heart goes for single um, single moms and single women because getting myself to a space where I was really successful and able to kind of just do whatever I wanted allowed me to find the man of my dreams. And not that 
everything has to stem from being happily married, but being in a place where I could find somebody that was healthy and happy and, and to grow with somebody um, was so important to me. And so teaching women how to not only honor their own relationship with themselves, but their relationships that they're building with other people is just, it's a fundamental core thing that I don't think anybody teaches you when you're younger. You just kind of try based upon the things that you've seen or based upon the failures that you make or some of that stuff. And so it that's for me is the most important thing when it comes to anything in life. And so I wasn't initially, I was like, Oh, I'll do like, you know, cause they ask you to pick kind of what you want to be called or whatever. And initially one of my mentors was like, we'll do life coach cause you're coaching life. And I see that a lot. Uh, but relationship for me is what my focus was. And so that's why uh, I chose that to be the way that I explain what I do, because it's all about building relationships. Now, do you deal just with like a relationship between one-on-one, like a, a boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, uh, you know, spouses, those kind of relationships? Do you, or do you help me understand? All it's all of them. So um, the coaching program that has this launching on September 14th is about how to build relationships in business to get yourself to six figure, to a six figure income. And that one wasn't one that I was going to launch until January. And the minute that my podcast launched and I got a little bit more recognition or knowing more people that didn't necessarily know my story, I kept getting messages asking for that specifically. Um, Other things that I get asked about is how my husband and I navigated our own relationship, how my daughter and I navigated our relationship. Like I get messages all the time about how as a single mother, I raised a daughter that graduated with honors and isn't pregnant at 16 and um, is a full grown adult that has her own house and financed her own car without help. And I pay zero of her bills. She takes care of everything and she is super stubborn about anytime I want to do anything for her. And so um, I've learned so many of the lessons the hard ways, but I also did the core fundamental stuff that goes to the psyche with within all of those things. So yeah. I don't know if that, maybe that hopefully that answers your question. <laughs> well, no, I absolutely did. Because somebody, when you think of relationship coach, it's like, okay, what kind of a relationship coach are you? Are just, I mean, do you help, uh, help me? I'm married, so I'm not saying this out loud, but, you know, as an individual, we come to you and say, hey, I'm trying to find, how can I relate to my girlfriend better? Right. Or, you know, that kind of a relationship. Yeah. Um, which is it, one of them. Yeah, absolutely. Which is one of them. But you encompass more than that. You encompass relationships in all aspects of somebody's life, which I think is um, that's a unique approach, actually. Yeah, I think, you know, you've got to in the relationship within yourself and, and, and healing your own traumas and healing the things that you've gone through that you end up projecting and putting on other people and how that is not healthy and how that affects you in, in a negative way. And and so much of this stuff, I, I unfortunately got to learn the hard way. So I'm I'm happy that I get to help people do it the right way and to learn from my mistakes versus make them themselves because that's that's a rough way to go about it. And I did it and it was not fun. No, that and that's a positive thing. You're making people's lives better. So yeah. that's a that's a an interesting, uh, unique approach to it. How do you feel about therapy? I tell everybody therapy, therapy, therapy. If you listen to my podcast episodes, anytime, like one of the things we talked about was PTSD on a recent episode. And, you know, I gave some of the tangible things that I've done myself to help me in those moments or help me in my anxiety pieces. And one of the things I talk about is therapy. Like there's no, you know, when you look at trauma or abuse or things that have gone on when you were younger that 
that were difficult to deal with and parent-child relationships and uh, all the different things that happened. Like I wouldn't be where I'm at if I would not have done a lot, a lot, a lot of therapy. And our relationship within with my husband and I wouldn't be where we are if we had not done therapy together. You know, we were two very independent people. He'd never lived with anybody. Um, I had dealt with a lot of my traumas. Some came back up within the course of our relationship. And so we both realized kind of where we were broken and what we needed to fix. And so we went off to therapy and we were in therapy for two and a half years, I think. Um, And it changed everything for us. We are in the most incredible space now. Like I, I throw up all kinds of disgusting happiness all over everybody because we are just like, I'm so in love with my husband. We are in such a healthy space. Well, that's a positive. That's a good thing. Most people think that there's a connotation or a negative connotation around going to therapy, but um, yeah. therapy is needed in a lot of aspects of people's lives. So I think that that advice actually is pretty good. Let's talk about your podcast, Resilient Hearts Podcast. Resilient Heart. All right. What do you want to know? <laughs> What inspired you? I mean, well, you kind of just explained what inspired you, but why a podcast? Why a podcast? So I never thought to do a podcast, to be perfectly honest with you. I don't, I don't have a huge social media. I'm more active on, on Facebook than I am on Instagram. So I don't have, you know, 20, 30, 40,000 followers on, on social media, which, you know, sometimes, you know, the world has led you to believe that that's the only way you can make an impact in the world is if you have all of these followers. And for me, it comes down to relationships. And that's part of why relationship coaching really resonates with me. But uh, a girlfriend wanted to do a podcast and we talked through it and we had a concept and we were, we were ready to roll. And then it was like her vision and my vision just really didn't align. And when she, when she and I decided that she was going to do hers and I was going to do mine, I was very much like, what the hell am I going to do? Like, what am I, this is nothing that I know. I'm not a tech savvy person this is insane. And I somehow found like the perfect mentor on Instagram, um, connected with her, took a class, was trying to figure out what I wanted my podcast to look like, what I wanted to be about. And picking names was what led me to that purpose. I guess if I'm honest, like trying to figure out what I'm going to name it, what it's going to be about. And I think about all of my, when I was thinking about the name, I was thinking about all my closest friendships and how all of us have been through so many things and how we share within ourselves and our closest friendships, the really messy pieces of our life and how a lot of times there's shame behind sharing the messy pieces publicly. And I've been very transparent about the things that I did. Like when I was making really great money, you didn't see me posting pictures of me with diamonds and Louis Vuitton purses and things like that, because that's not something that I really ever cared about and probably never will. But I posted a big bag of all of these bills of debt that I had shredded because I paid them off and being able to share the stories of women. And and when I started this podcast, I thought, Oh, you know, these women's stories are going to help the, the people that are listening so much. And they are, and the, the messages I'm getting every morning, like I cry every day, like, because it's just such a beautiful place that we've created that I've created for these women to share about their life and about their struggles. And what I didn't anticipate was the healing that would come to the ladies that share their story because it was healing for me to share mine, but I'm also an empath. So I'm also like super mushy and all in my feelings. So I'm always all the feelings. I know not everybody is that way. So I didn't really anticipate that and getting messages from guests, like closest friends saying, I'm so happy that you did this. You helped her heal her heart. 
your this platform is going to be such a blessing to so many and not knowing what I was going to go into and doing it in a very imperfectly perfect way has really resonated with my audience and it just we I'm I'm excited to grow but I'm more excited for the ladies that I'm really connecting with and and the stories I'm getting to share because they're they're incredible and they're inspirational and they're funny and we laugh and we joke and we say too many curse words and we just really it's like hanging out with your best girlfriend just talking about your life and it's been so much it's been the biggest blessing that I could have even ever imagined yeah that's fantastic I think that yeah. um you are providing something another aspect for people to be inspired in order to help heal and move forward which is a good thing yeah it is it's cool to see people message and say they they heard their self themselves or the piece of their story in one of the stories that these ladies are sharing, and then they're connecting with each other. And so there's this like really cool community within, within just 14 episodes, like we're 14 episodes in. And so it's wild, but incredible. <laughs> you know, sometimes it takes on knowing that other people have experienced what you've experienced in order to open up about their experience. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so that's a good thing. That's what your podcast does. Do you have any words of wisdom for anybody, for our audience? For the audience, um, just own it. Like I think the thing that bothers me the most about social media, and there's, I have a double-edged sword of gratitude and irritation with social media in general, is I think as women specifically, we are told we need to look like this. We need to be a size this. We need to have perfect hair. We need to have perfect skin. We had to have perfectly contoured makeup and um, cute clothes and our babies can never cry. And there's just all these things that are bombarded in this perfectly crafted life that people share. And I just kind of want to rip the lid off of that and give women a space to say, yeah, my kid's getting on my nerves today. Like yesterday he cried because I wouldn't let him drink iced coffee. Like he had a genuine meltdown about it. And the more authentic that I am and the more messy pieces of my own life that I share with others, the more I am finding women that are ready to share their own. And so when you think about the things that you've been through as hard as they were. And I haven't even dug into some of the stuff in the podcast. I've got years and years and years of this. So we'll get into that later. I'm having so much fun sharing everybody else's story that I'll get to my own at some point. But be authentic, whether whatever it is that you're doing, if it comes from an authentic place of your heart, people are going to see that. And I don't, I've always lived my life that way. I didn't think people saw that until my podcast came out. So I think that was the one thing that resonates the most with me and in these connections is be authentic and own all of the messy pieces of your life and let them inspire you instead of hinder you from the things that you're meant to do. Those are amazing words of advice, actually. Thank you. (laughs) How can somebody find you if they want to utilize any of your services? Yes. So you can find me actually on my website, which it is my girlfriend, God bless her. She offered to do my website for me. She's like, you got to have a website before your podcast launch. I was like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. Like I did all of the things wrong. There's no branding. There's no like perfectly poised nothing. That is who I am. Um, But I do have a website and we're still in the process of adding things and doing different things with it. But it's uh, Gabby Garland, which is G-A-B-I-G-A-R-L-A-N-D.com. And that is, there's links to my Facebook, there's links to my Instagrams. Um, and there's links to send me a message if you want to be a guest or you want to get into the coaching program that starts on September 14th. I am going to be doing one. I'm trying to figure out time frame wise when will work best to do one that's really around the trauma of relationships. And that one is going to be um, a six week program. And that's going to probably start later in the year. My hope is and my goal in that one is to really help 
women specifically shed some of this trauma and this PTSD and the sadness and the messy things so that they can start a new year in a really authentic way and it not be about new year's resolutions or any of that, but just like getting yourself in a healthy space so that you can start a new year with a better mindset and a better place to to do whatever it is that you're supposed to be doing, whether it's business, whether it's get a promotion at work, start school, be a mom, whatever it is for you. I want to help women do that because that has been so life-changing for me. That's an awesome. I will make sure that I will have um, links to your website in the show notes. And obviously they can find the podcast there as well as your services. So yeah, the Resilient Heart Podcast, I'm on all the the podcast platforms. Um, I didn't even know there was so many until my podcast agency was like, oh yeah, you're on this one too. I'm like, oh cool, that's nice. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I did the same thing. Somebody told me the other day, so I, I've never heard of that. They went, well, you're there. I, I still never heard of it. <laughs> so, there we go. Yeah, it's it, crazy. But it works. Honestly, thank you very much for sharing your journey with us because I think it's very, uh, you know, it's inspiring. And I think that you've overcome many things and you've made made a better positive life for yourself, your kids, um, as well as uh, your your new husband, maybe not brand new, but he's, he's new enough. We're, we're he's new like enough. three years in <laughs> <laughs> yeah. me again when we're, when we're 30 years in like you are and, and, and I'll give all the other tea. <laughs> yeah. I got to ask my wife to unlock the door and let me out. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> but thank you very much for, uh, for sharing your journey. I really appreciate you coming on. No, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of one more thing before you go, a unique conversation about life. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website at BeforeYouGoPodcast.com. That's BeforeYouGoPodcast.com. Tell your story, share your expertise, contribute to the blog, and subscribe to the newsletter. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform. And one more thing before you go. Have a nice day, have a nice week, and thanks for listening. One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life podcast, is a creation of One More Thing Productions, established 2010, all rights reserved.